So the last two Sundays, we looked at engage. We engage God in worship. Let's say that together. Engage God in worship. The second part of this engage is we engage the lost in evangelism. So let's say that. We engage the lost in evangelism. Now let's see if we can put it all together at one time. We engage God in worship and the lost in evangelism. That's priority, by the, by the way. That's priority. Psalm 100, we looked at uh, Psalm 101 through 5. We looked at the what worship is, that we come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. We honor him. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. We discussed that. Last week, we looked at Psalm 51, 9, and 10, where David is confronted by his sin, and he turns to God, and he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. That is the beginning part of worship, to make sure that our hearts are pure before him. Now, today we're going to shift, and we're going to talk about evangelism. Several years ago, back when I was pastoring in Ohio, I was contacted by a pastor search committee. They were very interested in me coming to their church to be their new pastor, and uh, they sent me information, uh, the usual stuff. They sent me the Constitution bylaws. They sent me uh, geographical area of the church. Uh, they sent me the church dynamics. And then they sent me a list of the top 20 things that they wanted in their next pastor, or basically their, their pastoral uh, duties. As I went through the list, the number one was to be a member of a Lions Club. Preaching, evangelism, and prayer were not even in the top ten. So I emailed the chairman back and I said, I am not interested in coming to your church. That afternoon, I received a phone call from the chairman of the search committee. And he said, Pastor, I'm really curious. We sent you all this stuff, and we're really interested in you. We like your preaching. Um, why would you just bluntly say, I'm not coming to your church? And I said, where do you have preaching, evangelism, and prayer listed on your order of priority? And he looked at it, and he goes, yeah, I could see that. And he said, if we changed it, would you still be interested? And I said, not at this point. The issue here is, worship is central to the life of the church. Preaching is central to the life of the church. When we look at the church as a whole, particularly Southern Baptist, uh, you'll notice that the pulpit is central. It's not off to the side, it's not in the back, it's not over in a corner somewhere. The, the, the pulpit is central. So is baptism, by, by the way. In almost every Southern Baptist church I've ever been in, the pulpit's been central and the baptistry's been back here. That baptistry represents something. The baptistry represents evangelism. The preaching represents evangelism. And the worship of God represents the outflow of those two events. And so evangelism is a priority in the life of the church. Now, the context today in 2 Thessalonians, people were worried about their loved ones who had passed and, and went on. 
and the Apostle Paul's writing about this. He also talks about the second coming or the return of Christ. And then specifically, chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, he prays specifically that God would comfort them and encourage them in ministry. And then we get to the last chapter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And he says, pray for the gospel. And immediately Paul mentions the workers. He says, finally, brothers, pray for us. Finally, uh, you don't need to be a, a rocket scientist to figure this one out. Finally means he's getting ready to bring the book to conclusion. He said all this other, and now he says, finally, we're going to get to the end of this book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on you what is, what is important, what is vital for you to remember. He says brothers, and that's a term for Christian follower. It, it's directed to the church at Thessalonica. Finally, brothers, you Christians who have trusted in Jesus Christ, not like verse 2 where, it's where he says not all have faith. In opposition to that, the Christian church, brothers, pray for us. Pray for us. Prosukomai. Prosukomai is the Greek word for pray. And do you know what that word means? This may shock you. Maybe not. Maybe it will. Do you know what that word means, that big theological word? It means talk to God. Talking to God is a priority. And Paul brings, can't help but notice this, Paul brings prayer as a means by which evangelism gets its power. Talking to God means that we just talk to him like you would your next door neighbor or you talk to your wife or to your spouse or to your friends. You just talk. That's what prayer is in, at its core. It's simply talking to God. That presupposes something. That presupposes a relationship with the one in which you are talking to means that you have a relationship with God. God wants to hear from us. Particularly when, it, when we come to the gospel, it is so important. And the apostle Paul here is saying, pray for us. That's Paul, Timothy, and Silas, by the way. First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. I love what my friend Newt Larson said in his commentary. Dr. Newt Larson said in his commentary, this request for himself, Timothy, and Silas shows the human side of these three great men. Like everyone else, they are, depended, are dependent upon the prayers of others to carry out their work and remain steadfast in their lives. I don't know about you, but I think prayer is, well, Jesus said my father's house will be a house of prayer. And so when we talk about prayer, we're, we're not talking about a footnote. We're talking about a main clause. Prayer is, is everything. And the Apostle Paul says, Brothers, my Christian fellow believers, please pray for us. This is something I want to talk about very briefly here. Daily prayer. You should pray for me, your pastor, and you should pray for leaders of the church. It is important. 
In fact, I would say, I've once heard it said that everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on prayer. The church can do nothing apart from prayer to God. I am utterly convinced of that. And we need to be in prayer. And you need to pray for me. I need your prayers as I prepare sermons, as I do hospital visits, as I do the work here. I need your prayers and I covet your prayers because it is such a significant work. You may think, well, we're not, we're not a big church. It's not that significant. Anything that is done in the kingdom of God is significant. It does not matter the size or the scope of the ministry. It is significant. By the way, you may not know this, and I track this on our website. There, on, on any given week, there are over 200 downloads of my sermons each week. Not only from this area, but from China, North Korea, uh, Korea, all over. I just saw one the other day from Afghanistan. Several downloads from Afghanistan. Our work is significant here. And it needs prayer. There is no, I'm going to say this another way. Newt Larson said, if you can't, say it another way. So I'll say it this way. Everything that we do in this church has eternal significance. I think we need to get back to the realization that prayer should be central, not only to worship, but to the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us. And then he, well, I want to go through this. The ministry of the church, the growth of the church and spiritual, uh, spiritual and numerical. Pray for open doors for the gospel. This is exactly what Paul was driving at. Pray for your pastors. Pray for the ministry of the church. Pray for the growth of the church, both spiritual and numerical. You can have a growing church that is not deep at all. And this is what's happening in the mega church today. They've got big churches. They've got big programs. They've got big events. And what I have noticed throughout these, these big churches, there's a, there's a common thread. There is some type of compromise taking place in the pulpit. And people, you, you think, well, they've got big programs. Well, you know they have less people working in the church in the big church than we do in the little churches. Most people show up for worship and they go home. Growth, spiritual, but also numerical. And then pray for the open door of the gospel. Pray that the gospel would be open. Now, notice what Paul says here secondly. Pray for the gospel, not only the workers, those who do the work of the gospel, but pray for the word. He ties the workers and the word together under the umbrella of prayer. Paul does this beautifully. He'll say two things here. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead. The word, uh, the word logos or logos, however you want to uh, interpret it, simply denotes the gospel message. Um, <clears throat> Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is e a free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the essence of the gospel. There's no middle ground here. You're either on the road to hell or you're on the road to heaven. 
the message is Jesus Christ. And this refers to the entire umbrella of Jesus. It refers to his virgin birth. It refers to his life. It refers to all the works of his ministry. It refers to his substitutionary death on the cross. It refers to the resurrection. It refers to the ascension. Because as Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he established once and for all his supreme authority over everything. And Paul says, pray that the gospel of the Lord may speed ahead. And by the way, this is an interesting word, uh, a rare word. It's used by Paul 22 times in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Kudios. That's what he uses for the Lord here. And do you know what this, this word means? It means one who exercises supernatural authority over mankind. When we share the gospel, we are operating under the authority of the one who has absolute rule over the lives of mankind. That's why when we hear about, well, look at the Apostle Paul. We hear about his amazing conversion and how he was getting ready to kill even more Christians and have them locked up. And on that road to Damascus, the one who has authority over all mankind called and broke Paul to his knees. He dropped on the ground. He went blind and God saved him. I've heard of drug dealers and, and people that are strung out on drugs saved in the name of Jesus. Where does that come from? We do not have an empty gospel. We have a gospel that is powerful and strong and can bring dead people back to life in Jesus Christ. Oh boy, I'm pumped. Oh, whoa. So much in me this morning about the power of the gospel, and yet we're so afraid to share it. Why? Why are we afraid to share the gospel when we have the one who created the world backing us? Ooh. Mm. You notice the apostle Paul says here, pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead I would have gotten along pretty well with Paul because Paul liked sports. It's clear. The word here, treco, means to run, like an athletic race. The Circus Maximus would have been maybe what Paul had in mind here, where he would sit and watch athletic events, running, all kinds of events happening there. He sees the gospel as moving out. And that Timothy, Paul, and Silas, and the church at Thessalonica were the ones to be pushing the gospel out. This said something else to me, too. With this metaphor and with this image, It says that we're not dealing with a dead gospel. <clears throat> he, 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart when you share this think Deacon Glenn said it this morning for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life um, I want to remind us this morning that that can hit hearts today that's a simple verse and yet there is power in that verse St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, sitting under a tree, read the Bible, and was saved. Do you remember the day you were saved? The power of God coming into the heart, judging the hearts and the thoughts of man. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. I want you to visualize here in Tolono the word of God speeding ahead from this church. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. I think we forget that as we share the message, we share it, God is the one that gets the results. It's not our work. It is our work in one sense in where we share the gospel, but it's God's work. The one who created the world who has supernatural power over mankind. He's the one that draws men to himself. He does it through us. And then Paul says this, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. This word honored Doxazo. It sounds like doxa. Yeah, it sounds like doxology. It is in a way. But that word means to respect. I remember when I was visiting, I don't know what these things come up every once in a while, just flashes I remember. I remember one day I was at the Akron Hospital in Ohio, and I was going up to visit um, one of our um, church members that was in the hospital. And I had my Bible with me, and I, I started to get on the elevator. And this guy was standing there, and he backed out of the way from me. And I looked at him, and he said, my mother always told me to respect a man that had the Bible. That's good. But what Paul is talking about here is that when the word of God is shared, that it is respected and that the heart is touched so that there can be salvation. And then he said this, just as happened among you. Let me, let me, let me say this. Um, Just as there is no insignificant work in the church, there is no such thing as an insignificant conversion. 
Brothers and sisters, I am telling you that your conversion is significant. And if you just share what happened to you, Paul said, you Thessalonians are a model for what happens when somebody trusts in Christ. You in this church today, you are a model of what the gospel can do. Your your salvation was celebrated by thousands of angels in heaven when you trusted in Jesus Christ. There was a party. Look, another one's been added to the kingdom. Let's get that image in our hearts and in our minds so that we can go out and share the gospel with these people right here in Tolono and in our workplaces and anywhere that we go that the gospel may speed ahead and that God may be glorified through all. Hmm. Hmm. Your salvation is significant. I've heard people say, well, my salvation really wasn't spectacular. Yes, it was. Any time you are born again, it is significant. And it goes all the way back to the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Mm. There is no insignificant conversion and as a pastor I've had the privilege of watching a lot of them and even participating in them but again let let me stress this Uh, again it is only our job to share it is God's work to change the heart. Do you believe that our Lord is sovereign over all? Do you believe that God is, or the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign over your life? Do you believe that the gospel is still alive and well in America today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is still changing lives today? And brothers and sisters, we need to get back to just sharing it. All of us, probably myself included to some extent, we like to be liked, right? Share it, and you run the risk of pushback. I'll take the risk. I'll 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 take the risk. Because I would hate to think that one person that the Holy Spirit was prompting me to share the gospel, and I didn't, that one person that God put in my path, and I didn't share the gospel, my natural response would be, will that person ever hear the gospel again? As we're sharing... Paul fixes the problem right away. I like what D. Edmund Hybert said. The word is to be honored, admired, glorified, respected for its God-given qualities, 
when men see a demonstration of its transforming power in the lives of believers. Let me remind us that men see, and when they see that there's been a change in you, they're open to change. And of course, some will not like that. Some will push back. So Paul says, as long as you're praying for the gospel, also pray for protection. There is a danger, which I've already alluded to briefly. And notice Paul goes on to add, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. Ruamai is the Greek word for delivered, and it means rescued from danger. I don't know if you remember this. Back in the summertime, there were 13 boys and their coach that were trapped in a cave in Thai, um, and they had to go in there, and they had to try to get these boys out, and it was a difficult rescue. And as I thought about how difficult and dark our world is, I thought about Paul, and he's saying, pray that we may be rescued out of the danger zone. China is becoming a dangerous place to share the gospel. Very dangerous. We need to pray for those people in China. I regularly get two or three downloads a week from China of my sermons. So somebody over there is downloading them, whether it's an underground church or whatever. They're in hot water there because of the government. And I don't know if Beijing's the capital. They've been downloading my sermons too, so I don't know if they're looking at that and then trying to connect the dots, but uh, they've been on our website. This is what Paul was talking about. In Paul's day, they were flogged. The Apostle Paul said, I bear the mark of Jesus Christ, the bear the marks of Jesus Christ on my body. They were flogged. They were stoned to death. Paul witnessed one of them, stoning of Stephen. They were tortured. They were imprisoned. And oh yeah, they were thrown to the lions. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a main writer of the New Testament. And he says, as the gospel goes out, brothers and sisters at Thessalonica, please pray that we may be rescued from danger. The Apostle Paul. I love all the, the apostles, but the apostle Paul has a special place in my heart. And if he's praying this, then we should be praying this for missionaries around the world, for each other, actually. Praying that as we share the gospel, we are protected. There's coming a day. It's on our doorstep. There is coming a day when it may be a crime to share the gospel in the United States. 
we are moving that direction. Maybe not in the next 10, 15 years. But brothers and sisters, there is a day coming when to be a Christian may be problematic here in America. Why? Why would Paul pray for deliverance from wicked and evil men? Well, if you look at the word wicked, which means doing what is not right and not acceptable, and evil, which is morally corrupt, that kind of sounds like our culture today. In fact, it's in full agreement and with uh, Romans one twenty eight, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do what that ought not be done. And this is the culture. This is the culture in which we operate today. Some people say, well, the world's not that bad. Oh, really? This world is getting worse. It ain't getting better. And the job of the Christian is still the same. This is our mission field. And I'm going to tell you this. God loves even the most despicable person on this earth and wants a relationship with them. And you know who can do that? I bet you the Apostle Paul would say, I know who can because he did it in my life. I was zealous for God, but I didn't know Jesus. Until that day on the road to Damascus, I trusted in Christ. Only God can do that, folks. He can take a debased mind and transform them into a powerful tool for the kingdom. That's why Paul was praying because of the world in which he lived and it's only gotten worse and it has not gotten better it doesn't matter who's in the white house who the senate is who the who uh, the house members are the state and local it is getting worse because men are without christ point blank so how did we get here Paul gives us the reason how we got here. It's simple. For not all have faith. I'm going to, the word faith there is pistis. And it means to believe in. There's no doubt that what the Apostle Paul is talking about is to believe in Jesus. The one who is the word, the message. Now, the world will tell you this. The world will tell you that all roads lead to heaven. Do you buy that? There's people out there that buy it. If you're a Muslim, you're going to heaven. If you're a Buddhist, you're going to heaven. All those roads lead to heaven. Oprah Winfrey will tell you that. All roads lead to heaven. Mm, no. All roads do not lead to heaven. Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the end of the matter. There is no waffling on one side or the other. And matter of fact, you can belong to a church and not go to heaven. 
you can come to Sunday school, you can sing worship songs, you can listen to a sermon, you can go home, you can put uh, crosses all over your house. That does not make you a Christian. Do you know what makes you a Christian? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is what makes you a Christian. There's not going to, the Southern Baptist denomination, and I love them, I've served in them my whole, my whole Christian ministry, uh, they do not get people to heaven. Jesus Christ gets people to heaven. And they have to have a personal faith in him. And Paul is telling us here, hey, world, guess what? Not everybody has faith. This is why you'll get kickback. Because when the world says, well, Muhammad was a great guy, and we can be a Muslim, and, and, and you, you say, no, no, no. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Oh, you're going to get kickback. I probably shared this before when I was a young cocky Christian, not like I am now. <laughs> um, I was walking into our unit and there was a Muslim supply guy, Muslim supply sergeant sitting there and the military let him wear his little um, wraparound turban. Yes, thank you. And I was walking in and he was doing this looking towards Mecca. And I walked by him. I'm born-again believer. I walked by, I stopped, and I said, are you getting any response? He goes, yes, I am. And I said, no, you're not getting a response. He opened his eye like that and looked at me. And I walked in. I don't think he liked me too much after that, but uh, he knew I was a Christian. He thought he was going to heaven. He's not. He's not saved. He needs to know Jesus. Not everybody has faith. I love what Dr. Michael Martin said in his commentary. Paul was asking the church to pray that he and his co-workers would be delivered from those who were not persons of faith and who would use any means, even illegal and immoral, to stop the spread of the gospel. I like history, and I've studied church history. Um, do you know how many times man has tried to eradicate the world of the Bible? They've had burning sessions. They've, they've, they've imprisoned Christians. They've started wars. And you know what? We're still here. Think of this. What you're doing here today was done 2,000 and some years ago. Worship. If it is from God, it will not be stopped.